Well, good morning for our scripture reading this morning. We're in Revelation chapter 8. So you take your Bible, turn with me there to Revelation chapter 8, and we'll read the, the whole chapter. Revelation chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter." And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you and thank you so much for the opportunity to be here in your house this morning to hear songs sing, sang, and worship for you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that as, as we hear this special here in just a moment, that we would be pointed to you. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your word and for all that it gives to us. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us. I just pray that that would be done this morning, that through the, through the preaching, you would be honored and glorified, and we would be pointed to you. Be with preacher as he does that. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Give him the words to say, and use him in a mighty way as, as we take in your word and take in your message this morning. Help us to apply it to our hearts, to our lives. Help us to grow closer to you, to you as a result of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Cares for us. Revelation chapter 8, we want to continue our study and. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of the trumpet judgments. We'll not get to the actual trumpet judgments this morning. We'll get to them tonight, the Lord willing, but we'll look at the preliminary parts of this chapter and think about some things that were involved in preparation for these trumpet judgments that were going to come. As we watch the events in the book of Revelation unfold over the last several weeks, We've already witnessed the end of the church age that will culminate in the rapture. Back in chapter 4 and verse number 1, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. 
And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, and said, Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So in chapter 4, we have the rapture of the church. And then we watched as heaven worshiped God and the Lamb for who they are and for what they have done and for what they will do in the future in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And then we saw the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, take the seven-sealed scroll from the hand of the Father, and we watched as he began to, the process of breaking those seals and opening them in chapter number 6. And as he did, the earth was engulfed with one horror after another, just over and over and over, as these judgments of God began to fall upon this earth, upon those who have were left behind after the rapture, sinful mankind who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 7, last week we saw the events of the 144,000 evangelists which were saved and sealed and sent out to preach the gospel of the kingdom to all of the nations of the world there in chapter 7. And as they preached, a vast multitude of people were saved out of the great tribulation and the Bible says they washed their garments white in the blood of the Lamb. And this redeemed multitude is pictured as healthy and whole in heaven in the presence of the Lamb of the Father. I want you to look back just a moment to chapter 7 and look at this great multitude of redeemed folks. In verse number 9 of chapter 7, he says, In this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and four beasts and fell before the throne and their faces on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? In other words, where did this great multitude of people come from? Verse 14, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. This great multitude, verse 14 tells us, are those that were, they were saved out of the great tribulation. And many people are going to be saved during that time and will come to know the Lord. The saved before that time are taken out to the rapture. So after that, they, if they're going to be part of the redeemed, they have to be saved during that time. Now we come to chapter number 8. And here in verse number 1, we find the seventh seal is broken by the Lord Jesus. Look at verse number 1. It says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven, about the space of half an hour. The Lord breaks this seal, and after he breaks it, the seven trumpet judgments are unleashed upon the earth. You had the seven seals, there were six of them. The seventh seal includes the seven trumpets. When you get to the seventh trumpet, that's going to include the next part. But here the seal is open, and he breaks this, and these judgments are unleashed upon the earth. If you think that the things that happened in chapter number 6 with the, with the seals were horrible, I want to remind you that the worst is yet to come. It gets worse. 
And we're going to see in this eighth chapter that as these first four trumpets sound among, among the earth and against the earth, we're going to see that things go from bad to worse. And those that are living on the earth during that period of the great tribulation are going to experience the wrath of Almighty God. So as the seal is open, first of all, I want you to notice there is silence in heaven. Again, verse number one, he says, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, some people believe that this teaches us that all of the men are going to be raptured 30 minutes before all of the ladies. Because there could no, no way there could be silence for 30 minutes in heaven if all the ladies were... Well, never mind, that's... We'll all be raptured at the same time, but there's going to be silence, dead silence. Chapters 4 and 5 and 7 all describe heaven as a place of worship and a place of praise and joy where this great host, multitudes, along with the, the angels and all of the others involved are going to be praising the Lord. Heaven's going to be a place that's alive. It's going to be a place that's noisy. It's, it's pictured as a place that literally throbs with excitement of all of those that inhabit it. And yet we're told that there is silence in heaven for a half an hour. The four beasts and the elders are silent. The angels, the redeemed multitude that we read about in chapter 7, have neither shouts nor praise nor joy to offer up for half an hour. There's no divine pronouncements that come from the throne of God for half an hour. Heaven sits in total silence. Now, there's several things that I want you to think about as we think about this silence. First of all, silence is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. You can be, you can be almost asleep in the service if the preacher stops and gets silent for a few seconds. You wake up, don't you? The silence at the beginning of a wedding is the announcement that the time has come. I want us to just pause for a minute. Just 30 seconds of silence, all right? Here we go. Ready? I think that's about 30 seconds. Can you imagine 30 minutes? Heaven with all of the excitement that's going on, and then all of a sudden it becomes silent for 30 minutes. Silence is a powerful thing. Silence can also be nerve-shattering, can't it? Have you ever been watching TV and suddenly there is silence? And boy, all of a sudden you wonder what happened to the station and and you even grab your remote and change the channel to make sure it's not the TV and all the stations are. There's silence. Imagine if you asked your girlfriend to marry you and she just sat there silent for 30 minutes. Imagine you've been accused of a crime and the jury comes back into the courtroom with the verdict and you're standing before the judge waiting for him to read the verdict to you and for 30 minutes he sits there silent. Boy, it can be nerve-shattering, can't it? What we're seeing in this verse is a lull 
before the storm. The judgment of God is about to fall upon the earth. And for 30 minutes before that judgment is poured out, there is silence in heaven. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. For 30 minutes, no noise. You know, our world today and our earth throughout the years has had little to do with and did not want to hear the voice of the Lord, nor do many want to even acknowledge the existence of God at all. They rush on in their sins and live in their vain lives all the while ignoring the true God of heaven. And the inhabitants of heaven, on the other hand, they understand what's going on. And they, because of knowing what's about to happen, they fall silent at the presence and the awe of the power of God. Here on earth, we oftentimes see people call for a moment of silence after the aftermath of some tragic event. We all saw that, and we've seen it year after year after 9-11. We have a, a, a moment of silence. And sometimes when there's a tragic event in some other areas, there's a moment of silence that is, that is given. We do it after the event because we don't have any way of knowing when the event is going to strike. But heaven, on the other hand, calls for a moment of silence before the event takes place. Heaven knows that a tragedy is about to come on this earth, and heaven falls silent in the face of the impending judgment that God is going to bring. So there is silence in heaven. Secondly, there is a service at the altar. There's a service at the altar. That service involves preparation. It involves some preparation. Look at verse number 2. It says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. These seven angels are pictured standing before God, ready to do His bidding. They're ready to do whatever God is about to tell them to do. By the way, that's a pretty good lesson for all of us, isn't it? We ought to be standing ready to do whatever it is that God wants us to do. Ready at His every beck and call. We should always stand ready. In a day when people are concerned about education and wealth and health and a host of other things that we think we need to serve God, the greatest ability, I believe, still is availability. It's just being available to God, being ready at any moment to do whatever he would have us to do. The Lord is looking for people who have a heart like Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, he said, Here am I. The Lord had asked the question, Whom shall we send and who will go for me? And Isaiah said, Here am I. May that be the prayer and the cry and the heart of every one of us when we hear God's call that we're ready and willing to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Send me to tell others. We've been training in, in Sunday school how to win people to the Lord. And we've been learning how to witness. And God has some folks he wants us to tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, whom will I send? Are you and I ready to answer, here am I, Lord, send me. The inhabitants of heaven and John watch as the seven angels stood before God were given the seven trumpets. Now, there's a definite article that is used here. He says that the, he opened the seal, silence was in heaven, and he saw in verse number 7 the seven angels, the seven angels which stood before God. The article, the definite article, these seven angels, these are specific seven angels. Throughout the Bible, you find various ranks of angels. There are 
different types of angels. There are the cherubims, and there are the seraphims, and there are the archangels. God had specific purposes for the different angels. There are, there are some people who call these angels, in, in Revelation chapter 8, the present angels, because they stood before God. They were present before God, ready to do whatever he wants them to do. The word stood there is in the perfect tense, which means that they stood before God in the past, and they had done so for some period of time. They were standing constantly before God. They were ready. They were always ready. These seven angels then are given seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets are going to be used to send judgment upon the earth. Now, when we think about trumpets, we read it back in chapter 4 a moment ago in verse, verse number 1. I heard, as it were, a trumpet talking with me. Trumpets figure heavily in the lives of the ancient Jews. In the Old Testament, they were always, there was oftentimes trumpets involved. In Numbers chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, tells us about two silver trumpets that were used to notify the people of Israel that certain events were about to occur. A certain blast was given on the trumpets to call the people together to assemble. Another blast was used to assemble just the heads of the tribes, just certain people. A certain sound was used to tell the people when it was time to break camp and to start marching and go on to the next location. Another trumpet sound alerted them to let them know that it was a time of war and they were pre prepare for battle. There was a certain event, a certain sound for each event that was made with the trumpets. We have warnings like that today. Uh, what is it? The first Wednesday of every month we hear these sirens go off over here that remind us testing for the, for the tornadoes to let us know of bad weather. You ever watch TV and all of a sudden you hear that, you know, you get that warning. And it's a, it's, a, it's a test of the national emergency system. And it drives you crazy, doesn't it? It always comes right in the middle of some program that you want to see and they mess it up for you. But we have those warnings. And they did in the Old Testament as well. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 8, he said, for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? The trumpets that are sounding, that are going to be sounded in heaven, they are definite. They're not uncertain. And they remind us that there's something that's going to take place. God's people today are listening for trumpets. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17 say, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're listening for that trumpet, aren't we? Again in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. One of these days, there's a trumpet that's going to sound for us, and we're going to be caught out of here. Amen? We're going to get to go home to be with the Lord. We are not looking for signs. Amen? We're listening for the sound, the sound of the trumpet. Trumpets, people today, God's people are listening for trumpets. And then trumpets are also a big part of our future. They're a big part of our future. Think with me for a moment about an event that occurred in the history of Israel involving the use of trumpets. You'll remember the story in, in Joshua chapter 6 and verse uh, 1 down through verse 21. The Israelites were marching around Jericho. 
They marched around for six days. Each day, one time, they went around the city. And the second day, one time. And for six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And as they marched, they sounded the trumpets. And you know what happened? On that seventh day, after the seventh lap, they blew the trumpets, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, and God gave them great victory. There's coming a day during the tribulation when heaven is going to sound the trumpet. And it's not going to just be the walls of the city come tumbling down. God's going to sound the trumpet against a rebellious people in this earth and the walls of rebellion that have been erected against the holy God by sinful men will fall before his unstoppable wrath that will come upon them. These trumpets are war trumpets. They're trumpets that are sounded to let us know that there's about to be an attack. And when God attacks this earth with his wrath, no one will be able to rebel against or stand against his advance and what he's going to do. It is the intensity of these judgments brought by the trumpets that brought the silence before they sounded. The, 70, or the severity of the judgment causes there to be silence in heaven. The praises of men that are given to God are suddenly silenced because they know there's going to be severe judgment that's going to take place. And yet, we think about those that are lost. What is in store for them? Our hearts ought to be saddened. Our hearts ought to be heavy because our lost loved ones who will not go home to heaven at the rapture will be left to go through the tribulation, will have to endure this wrath of God and the judgment of God that will take place upon this earth. The saints in heaven have rejoiced that the Lamb is about to take back what belongs to Him. But when they see what is about to take place on earth and on those that are unsaved, it is a grim reality that produces the silence of their praises. Now they stop and wait and listen for the sound of those trumpet judgments. Secondly, I want you to notice that it involved prayers. It involved silence, but it also involved prayers. In chapter 5, we saw the prayers of the saints. Back in verse number 8, we saw that when the Lamb took the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Once again, the prayers. Prayers of the saints. When we talk about saints, we're talking about saved people. We're talking about God's people. We're not talking about people who have been elevated to a position of sainthood. If you're saved and a child of God, you're a saint. We don't always act like saints. Amen? Sometimes we ain't saints, we don't act like it, but if you're saved, you become a child of God. The Bible tells us that we are, we are saints. And those prayers of the saints are lifted up before the Lord. He says, having every one of them harps, the golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of all the saints. Another angel comes and takes a censer that is filled with incense. If you look at verse number 3, it says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. He takes the incense and he offers it, along with the prayers of God's people on the altar before God. And the smoke of that incense, which represents the prayers of the saints, ascends up to heaven into the very presence of Almighty God. These are mysterious verses. We don't understand all that's involved in them, but they do have a couple of lessons to teach us today. 
First of all, they teach us that the prayers of the saints are kept by God. The prayers of the saints are kept by God. Again, in verse number 3, he said, Another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. This altar in heaven is the heavenly counterpart to the altar of sin incense that was in the temple in the Old Testament. It was also, that altar of incense in the Old Testament was also made of gold. The angel held in his hand a golden censer, which is similar to the fire pans that were used by the priests in the Old Testament. They would take hot coals off of the brazen altar twice a day. They would do it in the morning, they would do it again in the evening, and they would carry them to the incense altar. And these hot coals ignited the incense, which was on the altar that rose to heaven, which was symbolic of the prayers of all the saints. So what is taking place here is pictured in the Old Testament. We read in verse number 4, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. We see these prayers, it says, ascending up before God. Our prayers, when they leave our hearts and leave our lips, ascend up to God in heaven. They're not just sent into outer space somewhere to disappear. These verses show us that God holds on to our prayers and he keeps our prayers in his presence. Some prayers cannot be answered when they are prayed. It's not the right time. Sometimes when we pray, God answers yes and he does what we're praying for. There are other times when God says no. But there's sometimes when God says, wait a while, it's not the right time yet. But God holds those prayers, and in his time, they will be answered. And we'll see that in some of these verses. Secondly, the prayers of the saints are answered by God. They are kept by God. They are also answered by God. Do you ever stop and think your prayers? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many, how many of you prayed this morning? Your prayers are kept before God. Our prayers are answered by God. We oftentimes feel like that our prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling. We've probably all had some times like that when we struggled with praying. But the Bible tells us that they rise up to God and they are kept by God. These revelation scenes remind us that our prayers are being stored in heaven in a golden censer. If you look at verse number 5, it says, And the angels took the censer, and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it to the earth. And there were voices, and thunderings, and lightnings, and an earthquake. The casting of these prayers of the saints to the earth indicate that these prayers are being answered. And I'm going to show you some specific prayers that are being answered. I'm convinced that we're seeing the prayers of the saints of Revelation chapter 6, part of what's taking place here. Go back for just a moment with me to chapter 6 of Revelation, verse number 9. Revelation 6 and verse 9. It says, And when I had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are tribulation saints. They've been slain for the word of God and for their testimony. They've been killed by the... Antichrist and his cohorts. Verse 10, And they cried with a loud voice. Here are these folks praying, crying out to God with a loud voice, 
How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? You suppose there's anybody in Ukraine praying anything like that right now? How long, Lord, till you avenge our blood? And these tribulation saints are praying, Lord, how long till you avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? In verse 11, and white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a, for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. In other words, they're crying out, Lord, how long until you avenge? We get to chapter number 8, and you see those prayers, that incense thrown towards the earth, and that is a picture of God answering the prayer of these tribulation saints. Now God's avenging their blood. He's bringing wrath and judgment upon those on the earth who had taken their life. For 2,000 years, God's people have prayed a prayer like this. We prayed, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, where? On earth, how? As it is in heaven. What's taking place in Revelation chapter 8 is God is answering that prayer. He's getting ready to bring His will on earth as it is in heaven. Because at the end of the tribulation, what's going to happen? He's going to come back and set up His kingdom and rule on earth and His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those prayers are about to be answered. They've been kept. They're mingled with the fire of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary, and they ascend up to God, and they will be answered. The prayers are kept. Our prayers are answered. Thirdly, the prayers of the saints have power with God. Our prayers have power with God. Sometimes we wonder, are we accomplishing anything with our prayers? Is anything being done? Does God hear? What's the use in praying? There's power in our prayers. Here are the prayers that have been heard and preserved, and they're being answered in God's time. I don't know about you, I think all of you feel the same way I do, but I sometimes struggle and have difficulty in my prayer life. I've been saved for many years. I still sometimes feel incompetent in my prayer life. Could I tell you there's no PhDs in prayer? There's no experts in prayer. You may struggle in the arena of prayer in your life, but if you are saved and a child of God, you can rest assured that your prayer has power with God. We may struggle. But God hears and keeps, and there is power in our prayers. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2 says that Christ's finished redemptive work is a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. When you and I pray in Jesus' name, our prayers are mingled with the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they rise up to God as a sweet-smelling savor before our God. It is an offering that He accepts, it is an offering that he blesses for his glory. Our prayers ascend up to God on the basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God hears when we pray. The only right we have to God is because of Jesus. He said, 
Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The only reason you and I can come before the throne of Almighty God is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. It's not this preacher that gets you your prayers to heaven. It's not the priest. It's not the rabbi. It's not the saints. It's not Mary. It is Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul, or, uh, uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy, he said, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And when you and I pray, what do we usually finish our prayer with? We say, in Jesus' name I pray. We're coming in His name, not in my name, not in anybody else's name, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's our basis, the shed blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary, and God hears our prayer. There is power in the prayer of saints. Why? Because there's power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come in His name and through His blood. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate means lawyer. We have a lawyer. We have one that's pleading our case in heaven for us. But wait a minute. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. But in John 14, verse 6, the Bible tells us that we have a comforter. Who's the comforter? The Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? If you're saved, he's in your heart, isn't he? The same word comforter in John 14, 6 is the same word advocate in 1 John 2, 1. We have an advocate. In other words, when I come to pray, I have an advocate, Jesus in heaven, who represents me before God the Father, but I also have an advocate in my heart and life, the Holy Spirit of God. So I got double advocate, okay? I got one up there, I got one down here with me. And as we pray and lift our prayers to God, that you might say that a member of the Godhead is there in heaven and a member of Godhead is here with me, and we have that privilege... And it produces power in our prayers as we, become, as we come before the Lord. Paul said in Romans that when we pray sometimes, he says, we know not how to pray as we, walk, as we ought. And so what does he say? Who helps us with our praying? The Holy Spirit does, doesn't he? He is our helper in our prayer time. And I believe oftentimes, and in fact, the Bible says we pray, we know not how to pray as we ought, and so we have the Holy Spirit who helps us why do we need the Holy Spirit to help us? Well, there's, some, there's several reasons, but one is because we don't always know exactly what to pray, right? Amen? And sometimes we may pray something that's not God's will or it's against God's will, and I believe that our prayers go through the Holy Spirit, and He, what's the word I want to use? He diffuses, he, he, he weeds out the ones that aren't good, and He sends on the ones that are good. I'll be honest with you, I've been praying, as I know many of you have a lot for Ukraine and for Ukrainian believers and all. I don't know exactly how to pray about the whole situation. Because I don't know exactly what's going on over there. I know there's some things that I can pray for, for God to protect his believers and all that's involved. I also know that later on, Russia, the great bear, is going to come down and come all the way down against Israel and back Israel up against the Mediterranean Sea. And I know all of that is a part of future prophecy. So I don't know if everything that's going on right now is a part of that directly or if it's preparing for that. I'm just saying, I don't know exactly how to pray. So you know what I pray? Thy will be done. And I pray for God's protection for those precious people. 
and especially for the believers. Do you stop and think this morning, as we sit here in church, we enjoy a cushioned pew. We enjoy lights. We enjoy air conditioning and heat. We enjoy the comforts of being here without fear. In Ukraine, there are people who are meeting in tunnels and under bridges and hiding in houses and meeting without even musical instruments probably, maybe a few that they might be able to carry along with them. They don't have all, and yet they're taking time to worship their God and to honor Him. We're so spoiled, aren't we? Maybe you ever knew a kid or you talked about a kid, or maybe you're the one, you said they're spoiled rotten. How many of you are, no, don't raise your hand. Could I tell you what? We are spoiled rotten as Christians in America. We've been so blessed. And yet we complain so much, don't we? Too hot, it's too cold, it's too loud, it's too soft. Too bright, it's too dark. Too long, it's too short. You know, it's, we're spoiled. I don't know what it'll take for God to bring real revival to America. We talked about that a little bit last week when we talked about the 144,000, the revival that will come during the tribulation. But I'm thankful that as God's people, we have the privilege of praying, and our prayer may sometimes seem weak and ineffective, but the, by the time those prayers arrive in glory, they're not the same in the same form oftentimes as they were when they left our feeble lips because they go through the Holy Spirit and through the Lord Jesus and they come to the Father. The Holy Spirit takes what we offer and offers it up to the Father in heaven who takes, he offers them up to Jesus who takes them and offers them to God. And when he hears our prayers, there's a powerful force that can be used for his glory. The most powerful people in all of the world are not the political movers and shakers. The most powerful people in all the world are not the kings and queens and dictators and presidents and generals. The most powerful people in all the world are not the celebrities. They're not the sports heroes. They're not the wealthy. The most powerful people in this world are widows and men and women and boys and girls the poverty-stricken, and others who believe in the God of heaven and who call out to the God of heaven by faith in prayer. And so as God's believers, we must continue to pray. We must be faithful to pray. And as we do, our prayers are mingled with the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and they are powerful before God. There is more power in your prayers and my prayers than we could ever imagine. So keep on praying. And then thirdly, I want you to notice that it involved premonitions. It involves some premonitions. Look at verse number 5 of chapter 8. It says, And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Can you imagine if that happened today, if all of a sudden... We heard these voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake, all of that taking place. This angel takes this censer that's filled with fire from the altar and casts it in the earth. And when he does, there are all kinds of sounds that take place on this earth. And those sounds are, I believe, the premonitions of what's about to take place when these trumpet judgments are poured out upon the earth. Did you notice the same fire that causes the incense 
and prayers to rise up to God is the same fire that causes the judgment to come down from God. Someone said judgment is merely the opposite side of rejected love. Think about that for a minute. Judgment is the opposite side of rejected love. God's judgment is going to come on this earth because man has rejected the love of God. Men have rejected God's love. They've rejected His grace. They've rejected His precious Son. And there's nothing left for them but the deluded, undiluted wrath of the judgment of God, the God who has been offended by man. And that's what we're about to see as these trumpets are sounded and the judgments fall upon this earth. So there's silence in heaven. There is service at the altar. That service involves prayer. And tonight we'll come to those judgments and we'll look at the third thing, and that is there is suffering on the earth. We're going to look at the suffering that takes place here on this earth. But as we think about all of that, I want to come back to this. The rapture is going to take place. The saved are taken out of this world. These judgments are going to come upon those who have rejected God and who have rejected his love and his Savior. And if you're here today and you have rejected Jesus as your Savior, if the rapture took place today, and it could, there's nothing that I know of in the Bible that has to happen on God's timetable before the rapture. As I said, we're not looking for signs for the rapture, we're looking for the, listening for the sound of the trumpet. And that trumpet could sound at any moment, and we could be caught up out of here. If you're not saved, you'd be left behind, and you're going to go through these judgments, this wrath of God that's poured out here upon this earth. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you do, you'll miss those judgments. If not, you'll have to go through it. Are you listening for the trumpet? I said oftentimes as I was growing up, we had a plaque in our home just in the living room, just had two words on it. It said, today, perhaps. Today, perhaps. Every day I was reminded this could be the day that Jesus would come back. I'm listening for the trumpet. And while we're waiting, how's your prayer life? Do you realize this morning that your prayers are kept by God? Your prayers are answered by God. And yours and my prayers are powerful before God as we lift them up to Him. Christian, don't give up. Don't quit praying. Don't quit praying for that loved one that's not saved. Don't quit praying for that child. Don't quit praying for that mate. Don't quit praying for those grandparents. Don't quit praying for your friends. Keep on praying. Our prayers are powerful. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's keep praying. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the preliminary events, to the pouring out of the judgments. We said last week, you said in, mercy, in wrath, remember mercy. Before these judgments come, there was a time of mercy when the 144,000 preached and Thousands and thousands of people were saved. And then before the trumpet sound, there's a period of silence. What's about to take place is overwhelming. Silence in heaven. And Lord, as we bow before you this morning, 
There may be someone here today that doesn't know you. Unless they get saved, will spend eternity in the awful wrath of God and judgment of God in hell forever and ever. We stand in awe of the fact that someone would reject the love of God. It would send your only begotten Son to die on an old rugged cross. To be beaten and battered and crucified. To pay the penalty for our sins. So that none of us would have to go to hell. And to think that the difference... Is just calling upon you and surrendering our life to you. But we have to do it now while we have time. And then for us who know the Savior, Lord, would you help us to take courage. Remember that our prayers are heard, and they are kept, and they are powerful. May we be faithful servants. May we, as those angels that stood ready with the trumpets, may we stand ready to do whatever you have for us to do. Willing, faithful, obedient servants. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.